0: You know our kids need us when they're young, and in a sense we need them. In fact, the older they get, the more we need them. It's, it's ironic how we take care of our children when they're young, and then when we get old, they sometimes have to take care of us. And you know, in a similar way, God takes care of us, and there, and and in, and in a way, God needs us. Now I want to explain that because I understand that God needs no one or no thing, but But in a sense, he does need us. And while we could exist without God, God does not need us to exist. We could not exist without him. And whether we believe in God or not, he is still God. Doesn't matter. People don't believe in him. And what is amazing, though, is that while God does not necessarily need us, he still wants us. And, you know, God knows everything about us. Everything we've done, everything we will do, and yet in spite of all of that, He still wants us, He still loves us, and He still wants to use us for His kingdom and His glory. That's just incredible, to be loved like that. And the Lord does want some things from us. He does desire our love and our faith. The Bible says, without faith it's impossible to please God, and so when we have faith, when we put our faith in God. It pleases Him. And God is pleased with our trust. And so in, in a certain sense, God needs us. And we see this in Mark chapter 11, verse 1. As they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of His disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt. Tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you why are you doing this, tell them the Lord needs it. There it is. The Lord needed this colt, and we'll send it back here shortly. And they went and found a colt outside in the street, tied at a doorway. And as they untied it, some people standing there asked, "What are you doing, untying that colt?" And they answered as Jesus had told them, and they and the people let them go. And when they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks over it, he sat on it. And many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches they had cut in the fields. And those who went ahead and those who had followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this Palm Sunday. And though we may have experienced many Palm Sundays, we've heard many sermons on Palm Sunday, Lord, I pray that this would be fresh and anew to our hearts this morning. God, we would not just back up and, and put our brain in neutral, God, but we would engage, Lord, with what you want to do by your spirit in this service. Lord, I I believe you want to speak something fresh and anew, whether we've been saved for one year or a hundred years. God, you've got something to say today. And so I pray our hearts would be prepared. Soften the soil of our hearts that the seed of the word may be planted deeply, God. Because Palm Sunday is such a special time in human history. Lord, where you fulfilled the word of God and rode on a colt of a donkey. And yet there was so much meaning behind it. And so, Lord, take us deeper into your word to understanding the meaning of what you have for us during this season. And, Lord, as we face this most holy week, I pray there wouldn't be a day that goes by that we don't think about your sacrifice. And what you did for us. And, God, how you so loved the world that you gave your only son. May we not drift from that in any way, fail to appreciate it. But the longer we go, the the deeper we would go in that understanding. Of what you have done. And what it means. Jesus, your sacrifice, your torture on that cross for my sins. For my sickness. By your stripes we are healed. And so Lord, thank you for taking those stripes. And thank you God for raising Jesus from the dead. So we have power over death, hell and the grave. And so Lord, I just pray that that the meaning would not be lost on us this week. In Jesus' name, amen. My first point I want to make this morning is this. The Lord needs us to accomplish His purpose. You see, the disciples were given specific instructions, and they were warned that when they took the colt, somebody had asked, what are you doing with that? And they were to say, the Lord needs this donkey. And so the owners were willing to let it go. And so the question is, does God really need anything or anyone? Well, we know that he is the creator of the universe. He really needs no one or no thing. Psalms 24 verse 1 reminds us that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it, the world and all who live in it. Everything belongs to God. Everything, everything material, every person, every human being belongs to God Almighty. We have to understand that God needs nothing. He has everything, but while God may not need anyone or anything, he still uses everyday things and everyday people to accomplish his purpose in the earth. This is what's amazing about God. He wants us to partner with him in fulfilling the will of God in the earth. You have a plan for your life that figures into the great plan of God. And God always uses his people to accomplish his purposes. And so we we get to partner with God in, in the, the greatest story in the history of mankind. And so God doesn't need us, but he still wants to use us, and in that sense, he does need us. Could God fulfill his purpose without us? Yes. But that's not how God designed it. God wants a personal relationship. He's not a distant God that set the world into motion and then took a vacation. He is a God that knows the hairs on our head. He knows when a sparrow falls. How many of you know? He knows everything you're going through. And God wants to work through His people to accomplish His purposes and will. And He will use those who are willing to be used. And it's just, it's just amazing that what God has used throughout the, the history of the world, throughout Scripture, and sometimes there's a, there's a necessity that creates a moment where something amazing happens. The ice cream cone is case in point. It's a case of necessity being the mother of invention. Charles E. Mencius was one of 50 vendors serving saucers of ice cream at the 1904 Louisiana Purchase Exposition in St. Louis. I know it's true, I was there. And this was in St. Louis, Missouri. Business was booming on a hot August day. When he ran out of clean saucers, he was serving ice cream in the saucers. So Menchez turned to the stand next door, operated by a Syrian man named Hamwi, who had come to the fair all the way from Damascus to sell Zalabia, which is a wafer-like pastry baked on a waffle iron. And so Humwe is supposed to have rolled a, his still soft zelabia into a cornucopia, or a cone, which she's filled with ice cream and handed to a customer. Success was instantaneous, and the ice cream cone was born. Bless God. Aren't you glad the ice cream cone was born? Yes, I, I had ice cream for my, my birthday, and it was vanilla. And I'm proud of it. Don't make me feel guilty. i got to admit, it was two scoops, one vanilla, and one cookie dough. Okay, so I got a little wild and crazy, man. It's a good thing Jolene was driving. So, the ice cream cone was born out of necessity. Ran out of saucers. And got a waffle cone. And bless God, the rest is history. You know, it's amazing what God can use. Jesus... In fact, Jesus borrowed a lot of things. He was one of those guys... Can I borrow that? You know one of those people in your life? They're always borrowing things. I mean, think about it. Jesus borrowed this boy's lunch. Hey, can I borrow your lunch? And fed 5,000 people. Jesus borrowed a boat to make his many travels. He was heading all over the Sea of Galilee in in a borrowed boat. And then Jesus also borrowed a colt. This colt was borrowed for his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And Jesus borrowed an upper room to have his last supper with his disciples. And this is what's so amazing. Jesus' body was laid in a borrowed tomb. Now, it's, it's amazing how much Jesus borrowed. But I've got to tell you something. It was his in the first place. He can borrow whatever he wants. And you know what? He can ask of you of me whatever he wants. Because we are no longer ours. We were bought with a price. And this is the price that we're talking about this week. The price that was paid on this cross for our sins and for our healing and for our salvation. And so he has a right to borrow anything from us. Because everything we have belongs to the Lord. Everything we have is on loan from God. Even our children. When we dedicate our children, we realize, God, they're on loan to us. We're supposed to raise them. And yet they belong to God first and foremost. And the older my children get, the more I have to remind myself, they belong to God. I just got to trust God. I wouldn't make that decision, but I'm just going to turn them over to the Lord sometimes we learn most by our bad decisions than our good decisions. It doesn't need to be that way. But you know, the Lord needs you. He has a purpose. There's something that only you can fulfill in this earth. You have no idea the impact you may have on someone. You may save their life. You may save their soul. And so we always have to be mindful on that, that We don't belong to ourselves. God owns us. And so, all that we are, and all that we have, belongs to Jesus. And God needs what you have and who you are to accomplish His purpose in the earth. And everything and everyone are God's anyway. So He's not asking for anything that does not rightfully belong to Him. And everything we have, is from the Lord. So, how many you know? If the Lord gave it, He can ask for it back. One of the most powerful professions of faith is in the book of Job, when, he's, when he loses everything, and he says, "The Lord giveth, and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord." We have to look at life this way, and hold things loosely, even hold people loosely, because the Lord gives. The Lord takes away, but blessed be the name of the Lord because it's his. It's all his. And if we will live this way, that our possessions, our jobs, our careers, our families, our children, our grandchildren, they all belong to the Lord. He has blessed us with them temporarily. And so if God asks for it back, it's his right. It's his privilege. What he has given, he can ask for it to be given back. And we really have no right to refuse. Because when you accepted Jesus Christ, I hope somebody told you, you've you got to surrender all. You can't come halfway, partway, it's all the way or none. And that means we give up everything to the Lord. We give up our lives, we give up our futures, we give everything. God has that right. And so, number two. We must release to the Lord all that he asks of us. The owners of the colt released the donkey. Could they have refused? Of course, but they'd have gone down as the biggest jerks in history. And I guarantee you, Jesus would have found another donkey. Because the will of God is going to be completed with or without us. It's better that it's with us. But if we're not willing, he will find somebody that is. God is always looking for a willing heart. He's not looking for talent. He's not looking for charisma. He's looking for the heart. And so, Jesus fulfilled every Old Testament prophecy about the Messiah. Over and over again in the Bible, as Jesus did this to fulfill the prophecy. Jesus lived to fulfill God's will. He fulfilled every prophecy Every, and especially the difficult ones about Him being a suffering servant and dying on the cross. He fulfilled it. When it says in Isaiah that He was pierced for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. by The chastisement was laid upon Him and by His stripes we are healed. So God keeps His word. He fulfills His promises. But He asks us to release some things to Him. For the these owners it was a, a donkey, but for us it may be something else. When we come to the Lord, we release our dreams and he gives us his. We need to release our jobs and careers to the Lord. We live in trying times. People are looking for work. People are out of work. People are are wondering if they're gonna lose their jobs. You know what? You gotta let it just release it. We would need to release our money and possessions to the Lord. Our marriages. Our families. We have to l- release ourselves to the Lord. Can we refuse? Yes, of course we can. And God will find someone else to do what His will is. But one, one way or another, He is going to accomplish His will. And so we, we see that God has a right to ask us to release certain things to Him. Number three, God, the Lord gives back. What we have given him in time. This is what is amazing. We give something to God. He gives it back. Some, somewhere down the road. Or if it's not the same thing. It's something better. Or something more that he has for us. Jesus promised the owners of the colt. You'll get it back. Don't worry. If you can't trust the, the word of the son of God. Who can you trust? You'll get your donkey back. Don't be freaking out about your donkey. Don't send the repo man to get the donkey. Now, I'm sure it was easier for them to release it knowing that it was the Lord. But there is a principle that there are things God asks us to give up. And I'm not just saying sinful things, there are different times in our life where where God says, "I, I want you to release that to me. And like I've said, as I've gotten older, I've had to more and more release my children to the Lord. They're adults. And and the the best thing I can do is just release them to the Lord. Ecclesiastes 11, verse 1. I love this verse. Cast your bread upon the waters, for after many days you will find it again. You won't find it until you release it. You, you won't understand until you let it go. Now we can take God at His word, and we can be reassured if he, we, we release something to Him, He'll either give it back or it'll be better or something that really benefits us. And there, there are times in Scripture where He talks about this beautiful exchange. What, where we give Him something and He gives us something back. Don't you love it when it says that God will give us a crown of beauty instead of ashes? See, we've got ashes, which signifies great loss and pain and grief and sorrow. And we give that to Him. And what does He do? He, he gives us a crown of beauty. Beauty for ashes. You know, I'm getting to that age. I need a little extra beauty. I could use some help. But, but He also gives us the oil of gladness instead of mourning. Are you, are you mourning? Are you in grief? You can release that to the Lord. And He will give you the oil of gladness. And I love this one. And a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You're ready to give up your despair, your depression, your anxiety, those things that cause us fear. We release that to the Lord, but it comes through a garment of praise. So whenever God asks us to release something, look what we give back instead. Why wouldn't we be willing to let these things go? Especially those things that cause us harm. And are bringing us difficulty in our journey with God. God is saying, let that go and let me give you something in return. Because when we give to God, He gives it back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over, will be poured into our laps. Man, when God gives, He likes to go crazy. He likes to pour it out. Just pour out His love on us. And when we we give... The little we have, he pours it back, overflowing and running over. My son-in-law wanted to do a Passover meal last night with our family. We've never done this before. And so we walked through this process. And I'm telling you what, this is what all the Jews did. The Passover. And you see Jesus in every part of it. It's stunning how much it's a prophecy About the Lamb of God that comes to take away the sins of the world. But there's four cups that you drink from. And the first cup is the cup of sanctification or blessing. And you're supposed to fill it until it overflows. And so I got to do that. Because I I spill all the time anyway. So I was the perfect candidate. I said before, when I make myself a cup of coffee or tea, I bring it to the rim, baby, to the rim. I mean, the the whipped cream is hanging over the edge, you know what I'm saying? And inevitably, I spill it. (laughs) But I, I don't know why I do that. I don't know why I don't leave room for it to slosh. But you know what? When God pours it out, He pours it out. And it symbolizes the joy. Do you have the joy that the Lord promised? You know, sometimes i got to admit, I don't. It's there for me. And so, usually when I don't have joy, it's because I'm holding on to something else. And you can't hold both. And so, the things the Lord takes away is, is for our good. But number four, the Lord takes whatever we give and also uses it for His glory. And so whatever God asks me, asks me to release to him is for my good, but whatever I give to him is for his glory. Jesus took something as insignificant and humble as a colt of a donkey and made this triumphal entry into Jerusalem and everybody went nuts. It's just incredible. And if God can use a donkey, bless God, he can use you and me. I said me too wasn't just saying you. God's used a donkey more than once. Still does. You know, there are times when the Lord desires to use us or the resources He's given us. He's going to take those everyday things and everyday people to accomplish His purpose on the earth. You know, we sometimes want the famous people to get saved and the the billionaires to get saved. But you know what? Those aren't the ones that really feel they need god. And so god doesn't use a lot of those people. You know who he uses? 1 Corinthians 127, god chose the foolish things of the world to shame the wise. God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Man, that gives me hope. I just I'm so glad that cuz I'm that's me right there. And yet when god does that for a reason because He gets the glory. People will look at you and say, I know this ain't you. There's got to be God. And I know that's what people say about me. God wants to use us. He wants all you have, great or small, and all that you are to use for his glory. Robert Falconer tells the story of his witnessing among destitute people in a certain city. And he was ministering to them and he read to them the story of the woman who washed Jesus' feet with her tears and then dried them with her hair. And while he was reading this story, he heard a loud sob and looked up at a young thin girl whose face was disfigured terribly by smallpox. And after he spoke a few words of encouragement to her, she said, Will he ever come again, the one who forgave the woman? I have heard that he will come again. Will it be soon? And Falconer replied, Yes, he is coming soon. And after sobbing again uncontrollably, she said, Sir, can't he wait a little while? My hair ain't long enough yet to wipe his feet. All she had to give was her hair, but it was enough. Would you bow your heads with me today? I'm going to ask a series of questions. I'm not asking for you to raise your hand, but I'm asking you to search your heart. What do you have that God needs from you? I want us to think about this in this coming week. You know, Jesus paid the greatest sacrifice. What is God asking us to sacrifice? What do you need? to release to the Lord. I think there are many times we find ourselves holding on to things that are actually harming us, hurting us. But we won't let go of it because it's familiar. It's sad that we will stay in dysfunction because it seems normal to us. But I want you to know as a son or daughter of the Almighty God, He will not leave us that way. He will draw out of us what we need to be free, but we have to release it to the Lord. Is it something material that's holding on to you, or is it something emotional, or is it something spiritual? Is there any anger or unforgiveness or bitterness that you need to release to the Lord? This is a great week to do that. Is there any fear or anxiety or worry in your life? Release it to the Lord Jesus today. Is there any grief or sorrow or pain? Give it to God. And let Him bring you beauty for ashes. Garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness. Is there anything you're afraid to let go of? Something that you're holding on to because it's a sense of security to you, but it's, it's not the security that you can find in Christ. What can you give to the Lord that will bring Him glory? I want you to understand, we live to bring Him glory. No matter what happens in our life, it's not about us, it's about Him. We live to bring Him glory. Glory to His name. And so, what can we do? What can we do this week to bring glory to His name? What in our life we need to release to him because it's holding us back. And do you have the faith that as you let it go, he will return it perhaps even better than we ever imagined. But we have to release it. We have to surrender it. We have to let it go. And so I want to ask today if there's anyone here who has never given their life to Jesus Christ. You may be in this audience, you may be watching online. But you have not yet given your life. Because that's where it starts. Before you can give anything to God, you first have to give Him your life. You have to surrender all. You have to trust Him enough to believe that God sent Jesus to this world. To die on the cross for our sins. We're all sinners. We've all failed God. But are you coming to a place where you're willing to let it all go? Let, it, let go of the past. Let go of the hurt. Let go of the bitterness. Let it all go. And instead receive the gift of Jesus Christ and eternal life in heaven. Oh, this is the time. This is the season. This is the day of your salvation. Don't let it pass. Don't let it go. And so I would just ask you as a step of faith, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. This is between you and God. If you're willing to say, Jesus, I want a new life if you're willing to give your life over to God, if you're willing to accept Jesus and make Him Lord of your life, master and controller of your life, if that's you today, would you just slip up your hand? Anyone in this place is an act of faith. And anyone online, you raise your hand. If you're sitting in your living room, it doesn't matter. God sees that hand and sees that faith. I'm going to ask you all to pray with me you repeat after me dear Jesus I believe I believe you're the son of God I believe you died on the cross for my sins I believe you rose from the dead on the third day and I believe you're coming again forgive me of my sins come into my heart and life and make me a new person I give everything to you all that I have, all that I am, in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, I hope you'll let us know. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face toward you and give you peace.